Welcome to the Heartpicker Podcast. My name is Lara Blacklock, and this is episode 14. Yo, what's up, everybody? How's it going? Today, we'll be talking to a metaphysical healer by the name of Gary Fung. He has uh, his own methodology for healing, all on a metaphysical level. He has practiced Reiki and completed courses in Reiki. He's a follower and believer of the law of one. And these are all practices that have influenced him in his own methodology for healing. Gary Fung lives in Australia and was born in Australia but comes from a Chinese background. And he stumbled upon this by, well, just really accidentally practicing his healing abilities on people and noticing that for him, metaphysical healing is correcting disbalances that we have in our bodies due to emotional issues, mental issues, psychological issues, etc. And when he saw that his work was working and was being successful among his friends, he decided to put up a website and offer it to the world. So the reason I decided that I really wanted to have Gary on this podcast was because, well, I naturally believe a little more in people who don't charge huge amounts. You know, there's so many different healers and a lot of them will charge you a lot of money or a small amount of money, but but they'll charge. And the fact that Gary, of course, Gary has a different job sustaining him, but still the fact that he decided to put up a website and offer his services, but by donation, it really helped me to believe more you know I've always found it very uncomfortable for people for people to charge a good amount of money for spiritual practices and I understand that people who have a gift and and who are passionate by spirituality and have talents and have certain gifts and who want to make a living from that because it is their passion I understand that part because I am one of those myself but at the same time there's a problem with the people who really need it the most. If you're trying to do good to the world and people really need healing or spiritual guidance, then denying it to someone because they can't afford it feels a little off to me. Of course, there's there's so many issues and factors that play into this, but it is something that made me really want to talk to Gary versus perhaps a healer who, who's famous and popular. You know, I, I was very curious about a healer like Gary and, and finding out how he got into this and what he believes in it and knowing very little about metaphysical healing and very little about Law of One, I, I found it pretty interesting to hear his side and how he got into this and, and his way of thinking about things. So I will leave the link to his website down below because if you like the sound of him and you like what he has to say, maybe you'll, if there's something you want to heal, like any kind of physical issue, for example, my issue has always been digestion, um, headaches, stress levels. You can just explain and describe your problem on his website and he will plan a working session and you do not even have to do anything during that working session nothing is required of you he will basically just send you a summary of what he found in the healing session what he saw and again there's no real 
this isn't like an ad. He's not really, he's not living off of this. It's not an expensive thing. You, again, donate whatever you want, only if the healing works. I've seen his testimonies and it seems like he has a very high success rate, but you're going to have to find out for yourself if you're curious or interested in this sort of area. So I hope you will enjoy this and I will leave you to it. I was born in Australia, but my parents are from Hong Kong and China. So they moved here in the, uh, in the middle, you know, the, the 1970s um, to start a new life. And um, I was fortunate enough to be, to be born in Australia. And um, yeah, I've lived here all my life. You know, I consider myself an Australian, even though externally, you know, I look pretty Asian. <laughs> I was a pretty normal kid um, growing up, um, even though on some level I felt a little bit different. But um, I didn't really sort of have a breakthrough or uh, a deep change until I left high school. That happened through a, a trip to Malaysia um, and I, I got to see, I guess, um, some real poverty firsthand, so that was a real shock <laughs> to, to me growing up in, you know, in Australia. And so um, that, that sort of contrast really sort of, you know, it just made me ask a lot of questions. And so that really began the process of seeking for me. And, um, you know, that sort of unfolded over the next um, 10 or 12 years. And um, I didn't really find the answers I was looking for until um, I came across a, a body of material um, that's called the, the Ra material. Uh, it's also called the Law of One. Um, so, so it's just, um, I would describe it as spiritual philosophy. It's not really a religion or um, it's not something you follow with. I guess it's something you kind of like understand and apply to your own life. And so that was really the key to, um, you know, to the next, I guess, chapter in my life, which was, um, first self-healing, uh, which took quite a few years. And then after I, I guess I'd uh, fixed myself up, <laughs> and then I felt sort of called to, to offer this, um, I guess, experience or process to other people. And so that's the kind of work that I do um, as a service online. So yeah, so that, that's it in a nutshell. And uh, I've been doing, I guess, that healing work for other people for about, um, I think, five years now. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. Like it's, it's enabled me to connect to all sorts of different people across the world and um, just uh, interface with um, different experiences and people just all stages of their life, you know, from, I guess, younger people, um, you know, trying to work things out, you know, you know, when I guess in their early 20s and even late teenage years and all the way up to people at the other end of their lives, you know, people, I guess, in their 70s and 80s I guess struggling with some health issues there as well so so when you said you were I'm, I'm just going to do a list of questions here when you said you were looking for answers how did you start looking for these answers and what answers were you looking for um yeah I guess uh when I guess when this process really began it was um it was in I think it was it, it would have been 1996 so just just at the start of the internet you know um um you know when they were kind of like um when you had to dial dial in on a phone um so um yeah the very early days so uh you know obviously there wasn't much available then so it was basically through you know the more um conventional means um going to i guess uh, bookstores and um 
um, yeah, just reading a lot of material, but um, yeah, I had quite an interest in, I guess, um, some of the, the more esoteric stuff, um, religion and spirituality. So, and I guess the questions I was, that was sort of driving that, you know, that, that was sort of um, really eating away at me were just um, uh, questions about existence, uh, existence and purpose. Um, just, I guess, just, just trying to understand, um, you know, what we're, what, why are we here? <laughs> you know, so I guess just the bigger context of what it means to, to be human and, you know, to be on this particular journey. And as I said, I read quite a lot of things. Um, you know, I first tried to find, I guess, answers in, I guess, the more traditional modes, I guess, um, like, like, you know, the mainstream type religions, you know, um, just seeing if they had anything to offer. And um, yeah, the answers went particularly deep. So, and the thing that, you know, did kind of appeal to me was, was Buddhism. There were some um, concepts in there that kind of made sense to me. Um, things like reincarnation, uh, karma, um, the Dharma, you know, you know, living one's life by, um, I guess, some sort of a discipline. So that's what I was looking for, you know, just, just, I guess, deeper answers. Um, but um, yeah, I think they were just mainly around just uh, the nature of purpose and existence and um, just, you know, what, what I was doing here, basically. And um, as I said, I, I didn't really find anything that really satisfied me until, um, you know, probably 12 years later when, when I found the raw material. Uh, and that sort of uh, gave me a sort of a, a big picture overview of cosmology and just, um, I guess, the system of um, existence, the whole process of evolution, um, not, not, just, not just the human phase, but just, um, you know, the steps beforehand and the steps after one is, you know, has the experience of being a human. So. Uh, a much bigger overview, I guess. And how I came across it was through, um, there's a spiritual teacher by the name of uh, David Wilcock. He's, um, he's quite well known in, I guess, metaphysical circles. Yeah, he, he's able to articulate those really quite well. And so um, people sort of regard him as a kind of a, a teacher or just someone who can, you know, just point a different way forward. And so, you know, I was, I was quite interested in what he had to say for a few years. And, um, but he, he, he would, quite often mentioned something called the law of one that had influenced him deeply. And so um, I eventually looked that up online. Yeah, it's available free of charge. Um, I mean, it's, it's also available in book form. Uh, if you, yeah, you can sort of pay for those, but otherwise, um, yeah, all the material is available um, on a website for free. Basically what it is, um, it, was, um, it was a set of dialogues that was conducted in the early 1980s, um, I think from 1981 to 1984, and it's channeled material. Channeled material is is basically uh, information that's coming from a source that's not human. So you can say, you know, it's it's um, it's coming from the spirit world, or it's coming from um, an ET source, um, extraterrestrial source, um, aliens, if you want to use that term. Um, but it's not. The, the source of the information is um, not human. And so that can be a bit off-putting for a lot of people, but um, I tend to have the view that it's not really, okay, you can, you, you can sort of make claims about what the source is, but ultimately you sort of judge, you know, the material on its, on its own. Like, you know, is this actually sharing new concepts and insights and how relevant are they to you personally? And so you can sort of skip the question of, you know, where it comes from. Uh, but ultimately, you know, channel material is, um, 
it claims to be from you know a non-human source whether that's the spirit world or somewhere else so like i said i, I don't put a lot of emphasis on you know where it comes from and, and just sort of um you know, these channeled texts on um, how much value they offer you personally you know it's just like how interesting are they or uh, how many new ideas do they offer and so that's uh, i guess the kind of approach i tend to take and so the law of one is it's a kind of a dialogue between um don elkins who was the questioner and this other group that's non-human uh, it took place in um in kentucky in the usa as i said in the um, early 80s and um the material was, was was recorded on audio tape and then they transcribed it and then they um they published it in yeah originally in i guess uh, book format and then it's available online these days and how like how did it go with your parents and your family side in all of the search of yours and and what you found mm-hmm. and when you discovered the law of one and and, re- and connected with that did you have any challenges or struggles with your family and your friends or was it pretty smooth? I know it was, um, it was quite a rift. I, as I said, I, I come from a family that is uh, Asian and they're very conventional in terms of their, their mindset and their expectations. So just, you know, just stick to the, the, <laughs> the normal things, live a normal life, uh, have a family and just, um, you know, just, just be comfortable, you know, don't, don't rock the boat kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, when when I had my I guess first awakening uh, after high school when I was eighteen, and I I guess I kind of mixed up my lifestyle. Sort of, I, I went vegetarian. I kind of cut my own hair. You know, just started doing more strange things. Um, yeah, they couldn't really understand what I was doing. Like, um, it didn't make sense to them. And so, uh, they, yeah, they really struggled with my life choices. I guess. Um, even though I did attend university and, you know, I did, you know, I wasn't totally dropping out of the normal life. Uh, basically, yeah, after, you know, uh, after that point, they didn't really fully understand what was um, motivating, you know, what I was doing. And so um, in the last few years, there's definitely been more acceptance from them um, and also my acceptance of where they're coming from. Um, and so, yeah, the relationship's pretty good these days, but um, probably still to this day, you know, they probably don't quite get me and what I'm interested in and what I'm doing. So, which is common for uh, spiritual seekers. We really have to step outside of society to, I guess, um, do what we do and, you know, try to find what we're looking for. When you found the law of one, was it like an intuitive feeling that made you think, okay, this is it. This is what I believe in. This is, this is where, this is my truth. Um, like, how was that experience for you? Did you just know right away or was it after learning more about it or it was just you were attracted to it and you, you just knew? Like, how how was that experience? Yeah, for, yeah, for me, it was pretty instantaneous. Yeah, it, it just clicked. I guess if I had to describe it, it was like almost like um, this long uh, quest I'd been on um, for 10 or 12 years, um, just looking everywhere to, to find answers that satisfied me. It kind of reached that, single point you know when i when i found this material and it was basically even though i didn't know it it was the thing that i was actually i had i'd been looking for like even i was i'd been looking in all these other places for these answers or these understandings and then you know when i found the raw material it was basically ah this is (laughs) this is it like like it makes sense like this was the key you know this was the thing you don't obviously read this material in one day, it comes in 106 sessions, um, 
it's usually, yeah, it, it can be published in four smaller books or the current version is in two thicker books. You know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot to get through, but yeah, once I'd found it, I, I just couldn't stop reading it. And um, yeah, it, it explained everything that, you know, all the, I guess the vague uh, and even refined questions that, um, yeah, had been in the back of my mind. Yeah, it's, it's when you find something that you connect with spiritually, it's, it becomes fascinating. You just want to read all about it and, and you're instantly wanting to learn more and more. That's when you know you've found kind of your your place or your belief system or whatever you want to call it. You know, some people f get excited and want to share it with their friends and their family members or they just want to share that. And other people are more, I guess, introverted and don't have that need to to share it and to and to have people you know see it as well H how was that experience for you I guess what I want to get to is that some people will feel will have a hard time like socially in a way when they found something that's different to the rest of their social circle sometimes there's some some shame with people who are more spiritually inclined and into an esoteric thing so I guess what I'm trying to get to and I'm wondering is if you went through that or yeah how was that for you when you finally found something that yeah not a lot of people I think know about yeah no I, I pretty much kept it to myself uh, I sort of recognized that it was such a, a niche thing that it would um it would turn most people off like just the I guess just the, the nature of the concepts and the language involved and plus the fact that, you know, it does come from a so-called channeled source. Um, it's just pretty weird. Right. And so, um, I, I guess I knew better than to, yeah, to share it with, for me, it was more just like, um, I found something that really, I guess, clicked with me. And then, um, that wasn't like the end of it. I mean, there was, there was a process of, quite a few years of actually digesting it and actually, I guess, uh, making sense of it, even though a lot of the answers click straight away. It's still quite a profound text. And so, you know, it's not immediately obvious what some of the understandings are. And so it does take some work. Basically, I just got started on that process, which was basically to, I guess, digest what was being offered and I guess try to make sense of it in, in my own framework. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, sort of um, buying copies of the books and handing them out on the street corner, you know, to, to strangers. Um, yeah, I, I didn't sort of go that, that route. But I definitely know, yeah, that, that people definitely, I guess, when they find something that works for them, they feel like, you know, just um, shouting it out and saying, this is it, this is it. But um, yeah, I, I guess I knew better. Like I said, this is very strange and esoteric stuff. And for most people, you know, you're not going to be able to convince them. Uh, it's just going to put them off if you try to you know, talk about these kind of things. So, um, yeah, I pretty much kept it to myself. I guess this will tie into the next stage of my journey, which was, um, you know, how I ended up becoming a healer. So yes, um, at that particular point in my life, uh, very late twenties, um, early thirties. So, um, I can't remember how old I was exactly, but, um, around that, yeah, 29, 30, period um yeah i'd become very introverted and isolated uh at that point um it was it was, it was due to a number of factors uh, i just felt like i didn't fit in at all you know that i'd been on this long quest for answers and i you know i still hadn't found anything until you know until of course i found the law of one yeah I, I really felt quite lost at that period of my life and then i guess after finding the law of one i knew things had to change once you find your truth you then, you know, then it's incumbent on you to start living it. 
Yeah, so, you know, I, I started working on myself. Uh, my main issues were in the solar plexus. I'm not sure if you know about the chakras and the energy centers. Yeah, the, the solar plexus is basically the social ray. It's how well you fit in with others. It, it's about knowing your place. It's about, you know, I guess, valuing your contributions to this planet and our society. And so all those things had become really clogged up in my consciousness. And so that was what I had to work on in the next few years, uh, which was just addressing certain patterns in myself, like understanding, you know, how I'd gotten into that situation where I'd become so um, isolated. And so, yeah, that, that was uh, intense inner work, psychological work. And um, the raw material, you know, also offers, I guess, a framework for self-healing. It's um, it was actually, you know, it helped me understand the chakras. Actually, you know, like it was one of the their explanations of it made made sense of the chakras, even though I, you know, I'd read lots of different accounts of what the chakras were. Um, none of them really clicked. So, you know, there was about a five-year period after I found the raw material, from ages. 30 to 35 where I guess I was going through that process of inner change and reconfiguration that was the inner healing stage so by healing yourself in terms of yes. um how why you became isolated that's when you realized is that when you realized you I can help other people or I want to help other people um it wasn't it wasn't planned Rod describes healing in many different ways but uh, one of the ways they describe it is um in terms of balancing so when you've become out of balance in a certain area in your life or your consciousness, then you're going to experience the, the effects or the consequences. And so um, part of self-healing involves um, balancing, you know, whatever that vague term means, but they sort of go hand in hand. So once I'd, I guess I'd balance myself in, in the solar plexus to a reasonable level. Yeah. It was, it was quite a surprise to me actually that there was a, like a kind of a switch to offer this to others. Um, it wasn't what I was planning and wasn't what I was expecting, <laughs> but, um, it was almost like a calling like, um, okay, now I guess, um, now you're ready. Now you've sort of fixed yourself up now, you know, you can begin the next chapter. It was very much like, um, like a calling that, uh, this practice that I, that I sort of learned and then applied to myself, um, was then relevant and, you know, it could be applied to other people as well, you know, given their, their sort of issues and, and patterns. Yeah, as I said, it wasn't like something I'd like I decided that I wanted to do that. It was just like, um, well, this is your calling, you know, this is actually the next step. And so this practice that you did to finally reach that balance within yourself and to heal that within yourself, how did you do that? Yeah. How did you go about it? Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's many different strands to that. Um one of the things I, I utilized just in terms of my self-development was just um, making better use of my, my dream life. I don't write them down, but um, I sort of, you know, when I do wake up from a dream, um, I sort of go through all the main details, you know, I just sort of like make a, like a checklist of, you know, oh, that, that was important. That was important. That was important. So some people like to write it down, all the details, but um, I, I just do it mentally, you know, I just, just to run through the main points. I try to figure out, you know, what's, what's going on with this dream. And I guess if I had to offer any sort of uh, insight for other people, I would say that dreams are, even though they're, they're super weird, they're very relevant to uh, what you've been going through recently, whether it's the previous day or the previous week or just whatever phase of life that you're experiencing. And so, um, if you approach dreams with the attitude that, well, this is somehow relevant. I don't know how it's relevant. I don't know like what it's trying to say, but if you just start off with that attitude, 
then that can sort of that can sort of offer the way in into whatever you're trying to work out with the dream. It's almost like reverse engineering the dream. Like if you think it's relevant, then you kind of have to, then you sort of match that up with, um, like I said, some, you know, whatever issue or experience that you're going through in your current life. And then uh, you kind of try to see how it applies. And if you, if you try that, usually you, know, you find some sort of resonance or some sort of commonality in the dream to, to what you're going through. And um, then, you know, as you sort of dig deeper into it, I'm not saying it's always the case, but quite often you'll, you'll find some sort of insight that will help you uh, see things from a different angle. And um, that's enough to change the entire situation if you can do that. So uh, for me, in terms of self-development, um, I really started using my dreams a lot. I also started doing uh, what's called shadow work. That was from Carl Jung. Um, he sort of introduced that aspect into the Western world. But shadow work is basically just revealing aspects of yourself that like you've kind of denied in yourself. So I guess when you, when you have, I guess, an emotional response to someone else or a situation, then there's actually something behind that. It's not just like the emotion just doesn't come out of nowhere. It like, it comes out of something more deeply rooted. And so shadow work is basically about uh, finding those connections and finding how it's relevant to you. So much like, yeah, much like with the dream work, making sense of your dreams, um, shadow work is also about, you know, finding, you know, how and why this is actually relevant to you. You know, I guess the inputs from, you know, your, your sleeping mind, you know, your unconscious mind, you know, when that stuff comes up in your dreams and then using shadow work, uh, which I guess deals more with that triggered in your day-to-day -day life, you know, your emotions and um, things like regret, anger, dissatisfaction, things like that. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just finding the deeper roots of that, I guess, reconnecting with yourself on a deeper level. Did you get, like, did you do all this by yourself or did you at some point talk to someone about it like for example dreams sometimes when you look at them it, they're not so so easy to figure out or they take some time yeah. this was like instant for you like it, it was it came naturally to you to understand to yeah like did you ever get confused at some point and need to talk to someone about some things no um yeah this was very much a pretty much a solo journey in terms of just um working things out by myself and yes yeah it, it you definitely get stuck i mean you, you get stuck all the time <laughs> almost every day but um <laughs> yeah i was i was just really committed and um like dedicated to figuring it out once you know the law of one had i guess given me i guess a, a structure that made sense to me like um I, I was just so keen and i just had this like i just knew that i would figure it out like i just had to keep applying myself and so I'm not sure where that sense of certainty came from but it was just it was just rock solid like I never doubted that I would figure it out yeah I, I didn't seek the help of others in that process like I, I of course I, I read things online and I looked up you know people that had done this themselves but I didn't engage with anyone in person or you know seek them out yeah that that's pretty amazing and it's certainly a, a talent because not a lot of people have the will to look at themselves in depth or the the ability to understand you know what's going on and like where to even start with shadow work and and how to approach that and um you you say that you 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 get stuck a lot almost every day what do you do in those moments when you when you feel stuck um yeah for me i mean meditation is quite a helpful tool I, I know that's recommended by almost everyone it's kind of become a meaningless to say you know like just just 
meditate on it and things like that. But um, I, I think it work, I think it does work. Of course, there's there's different ways of meditating. I I would just say you know don't don't make it too complicated, and also don't force yourself to meditate if you if you don't really feel like it. And I mean it's like like all these things, it, it's best treated with respect, and so um, there's no need to force it. You know. So if you treat it with respect and you think it's the right time uh, and you, you know, you just basically sit down, close your eyes, um, just be more quiet. And sometimes um, things will um, start to make more sense. And so I think meditation helps in, in terms of like when you get, when you get stuck, another go-to is like, you know, I know it's, it's so cliched and common, but um, if you're able to go, uh, experience some nature, whether it's um, for me, you know, I don't have access to the to the beach or the ocean close by, but um, I do have some some forests that that I can go to. Uh, and if you can spend some time in nature, just just walking, or um, if you live closer by to, I guess, the ocean, then you can just sit by there. Quite often, the the I guess the rhythms of nature can help reconnect you. So things, you know, again, make more sense or that you can see the connections to things. And aside from that, yeah, I mean, there's no real deep advice. I mean, yeah, you can, you can read spiritual material to get some further insights. I mean, yeah, getting, getting stuck is definitely part of the journey. And um, I guess as you become more experienced, you sort of learn to find tools that, that work for you. But it is, yeah, it is part of the process. Uh, getting stuck is basically what Ra describes as... Um, yeah, the raw from the raw material, um, they, they describe it as a catalyst. So it's basically like a trigger or an opportunity to keep seeking and keep finding something about yourself. Right. And how long did it take you to heal yourself? Or is, or is it a constant process and you're still, you're doing that every oh, day? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's still ongoing. Not, I guess, not, you know, not, not in terms of, um, the real big things, but, uh, in terms of the, yeah, in terms of the self-healing, I'd say that and that took about five years and, you know, I got to the point where I understood it well enough and I'd become balanced enough where, you know, I could become this, um, I guess this facilitator for other people, you know, and yes, yeah, since then in the last five years, um, yeah, it, it, it's a process of, of refinement and going deeper. So it's, it, yeah, it's by no means complete, <laughs> still healing and still balancing. Are we ever truly healed? Like a completely healed? Is, is, does a human ever reach that point? I think if you did, then uh, there'd be nothing left for you to learn. You know, life, life is still a struggle. It just depends how much of a struggle it is. I mean, yes, um, when things get too much, um, uh, usually it'll, you know, it'll show up quite obviously, you know, um, whether it's like some sort of uh, physical condition, like uh, a very sore knee, it may be in extreme cases, um, get some sort of cancer. But even leading up to those experiences, um, you'll usually you know, mentally and emotionally, you'll, you'll feel like, you know, you, you'll be struggling, like things don't make sense or you won't be happy at all. There's always indicators that, that sort of tell us that, you know, we're not 100% in the flow and connecting with our life. There's, there's always um, something to learn, always something to experience. And um, it's just how well we handle those, those new challenges. Life can be a real struggle. And so for most, most people, they, they have challenges that come into their life and, they don't know how to handle them, whether it's say a, a relationship issue or say a career issue. If, you, if you're doing work that you don't really like, but you know, you kind of, you have to do it for an income. 
and that will sort of build up as like a kind of a frustration or just like just something in your consciousness that you're not happy about. And we can either face up to it and like just acknowledge it and accept it and then um, try to figure it out. Or for, for a lot of people, they, they don't know how to handle it. And so, you know, they, they try to ignore it or they use alcohol or, you know, so they, they, they find ways of getting away from it. And then it just keeps building up, you know, over months and years. And then if it's still not dealt with, then that pressure will sort of push through into the physical space. And like I said, you'll end up with some sort of symptoms, whether it's, um, so it's, you know, maybe some sort of back pain or, you know, something happens to your teeth or whatever. It, it all express itself in usually some kind of um, poetic way. And so, yeah, I, I think basically life is like a, a constant uh, challenge or a question and you can sort of deal with it you know, right now, or you can sort of put it off and then, you know, it, it gets to the point where, as I said, it becomes some sort of physical symptom and then, you know, um, you can continue putting it off or you, you sort of have to face it in some way. If you sort of face up to it, then you can sort of uh, just rebalance yourself and continue learning and continue progressing. But the question of, yeah, is, is anyone ever fully healed? Um, no, I, I don't think so. There's, there's, um, there, there's definitely places, there's, there's a point you can reach where you're definitely very comfortable in your body, very comfortable in your consciousness, like just in terms of just uh, a sense of security, a sense of uh, hopefulness, uh, and just a sense of like, you know, you just, you just know what you're doing. But um, no, no, life is like, like, life is basically full of uncertainties. And so you always have to deal with things that come up and it puts you off balance. And then, you know, it's a, it's a matter of coming back into balance day after day or time after time and and that might sound like very grim like you know you you can't just get it done and then like I don't have to think about it anymore but I mean that's not why we're here I mean we're here to constantly uh, meet new challenges and constantly grow and connect with you know, new people and just expand our vision of what's possible healing grows goes hand in hand with growth I think like I think the two are quite synonymous and, you know, when people aren't healed and they're really stuck with something, then they're not growing, like they're not meeting life's challenges. So um, I know that's a different way of using the term uh, healing, but um, like I said, you know, Ra Ra also describes it as um, rebalancing. So yeah, I guess it's just a different view on mm -hmm. that process. Yeah. And I've always wondered, maybe you could answer this for me. Are there ever, like physical, in terms of physical yes. symptoms, are there physical symptoms that are just physical symptoms, like without any emotional or spiritual explanation behind them or any problem behind them? Like, does, is that like if I have a stomach ache or a headache or, or even, yeah, cancer, it could it, is there a possibility where these physical symptoms show up for just for the sake of it? Or is it always because of a, an internal issue? I hope I framed that yeah, question no, no, right. No, yeah, <laughs> you've, you've said it beautifully. I, I guess there's two main ways I would answer that. I think there's, um, in terms of internally motivated symptoms, say for a headache, there's, there's many reasons why you get a headache, but there are also reasons where there doesn't seem to be external factors. Like, for example, like, um, you know, you can get a headache, say, through dehydration, all right? And so, I mean, you could point out you, you got dehydrated, you, you weren't drinking enough water and then obviously, you know, you, your body starts uh, malfunctioning and a headache might, might be one of those symptoms, right? And so you can sort of say there's like a cause and effect there and then you can address the, the cause. But let's say, you know, you, you have a headache, you just wake up with a headache, right? And 
you know, there, there doesn't seem to be any reason for why you have a headache or a migraine, right? That, that, that's more of the internally driven um, symptom. Like it's, there doesn't seem to be a cause for it. And so in that case, yes, it, it does seem to be like that's some kind of mental emotional thing that's expressing itself. In terms of the other cases, let, let's say you're exposed to a, a lot of radiation and obviously, you know, it's almost inevitable that some kind of cancer develops uh, if you have high enough radiation exposure then you might say, well, yeah, that, that wasn't caused by anything. Like that was just like a physical thing that expressed itself, right? Like that's a, the laws of, you know, laws of physics with, uh, you know, with your flesh and blood body, you know, it's going to respond to certain situations in a certain way. And, that, and that's entirely true in terms of symptoms. But I guess the bigger question then behind that is, um, you know, how did you end up in that situation in the first place? Like, why did you end up dehydrated? Why did you end up in a scenario where, you know, you got exposed to mass radiation. I mean, and then those can be interesting questions because, um, well, you, you then lead to the next question is, you know, I, I ended up in that situation, but why didn't someone else like that? There has to be some sort of personal connection as to, um, as to why you were exposed to those physical parameters. And then, you know, you can ask yourself, you know, is it through neglect or, um, you weren't paying attention your body so there's always like a deeper reason for why people end up in some situations and not others and why some people seem to escape like really harmful situations and others don't right like some people have good luck and others have bad luck you know what, what's behind that right so even though there might be an obvious external factor it was dehydration that caused my headache well how and why did you get dehydrated it was uh, when you weren't paying attention to your body did you not did you not understand or appreciate that you have to stay hydrated in certain conditions. And so, you know, there might be aspects of wisdom and, you know, lack of self-love involved in terms of how you ended up in such a state. And so there's always something to learn, I think, even though it seems like a very obvious physical explanation for certain symptoms. Yeah, there's, there's still the question to ask of, of, you know, why did you, um, you yourself end up in that exact situation, you know, where you're, uh, where your body's not working that well. So there's always something to learn. There's, there's, there's like an, almost a deeper learning behind every, uh, difficult scenario. So I have two questions. That leads me to think about mm -hmm. accidents. When we fall, like I had a year where I burned myself, mm -hmm. like a, I turned on a stove and somehow, I don't know how, but somehow like the gas, there was a gas leak and it fell down to my legs and there was like no real explanation. The kitchen was fine. That stove was fine. And mm -hmm. no one could really understand how that happened. So I, I got a second degree burn in my legs and then, and then I don't know, like the next month or I fell off a scooter and scraped my knees and badly. And then, and then the, what, like the third, the fourth month I fell again and like fractured my foot, my ankle wow. in a period of yep. what, five to six months there was injury after injury after injury. And those were three different accidents. Mm -hmm. So what I'm wondering is, is there a, such a thing as an accident, as just a simple accident? What you, you, you just mentioned luck. Um, I just had bad luck. Or is there is there always, you know, a message behind that accident or, or something we can find behind that accident? Whether it's like our own attention, are we paying attention to our environment or you know, our energy, is there such a thing as, as a simple, plain accident? For me, um, 
In my mind, no, I, I don't think there is. Um, obviously, from our human perspective, like we can't see like all the different inputs into a different, you know, in, in any given scenario. But for me, there's usually something, you know, drawing you into those scenarios. Like uh, some people will call it the law of attraction, but um, I think that I think it I think that I guess that so-called law has been really misunderstood. It's more that um, there, there's there's something inviting you into that, you know, and that that sounds really um, harsh to say, you know, especially if someone's ends up in a situation where they've had some sort of physical injury, um, you know, you don't want to blame the person. But um, yeah, yeah, some people even get offended yeah, yeah, by it, that it, it, and, yeah. and get mad, you know, when you yeah. say like, "God, why do you keep yeah. <laughs> injuring yeah. yourself?" Yeah, it, it's almost like I'm you, you almost victim blaming type thing, and I definitely don't want to get into that. Um, that's not what I'm trying to suggest. But um, there's, um, as I said, I mean, it, if you could step outside of your own life, you know, I know, you know, as you said, you describe free difficult experiences, free difficult injuries. But if you could step outside of your life and sort of ask, well, why, why did those things happen to me? Like, like, you know, my best friend or one of your other friends, you know, they, they have a period of five months where none of those things happen to them. Right. Like, so it's like, is like, wh what's happening? Like, like, is it like, there's obviously something happening to me that's not happening to them. And what is that? You know? And so if you, you can either believe that, you know, the universe is just, kind of like random uh, or you can sort of more lean towards the other side and say that um, things have meaning and significance. And I guess the question you're asking is, does everything have meaning and significance? And I would tend to probably more lean towards that, especially when things come in bunches, like you just described, like there might be once off um, unpleasant experiences, but then, you know, when there's a repeated uh, experience of that in a short period of time, you know, say over five months, um, and they're quite serious experiences. And well, there's something, <laughs> there must be something there, right? Like that, it's not just bad luck. There. Um, yeah. yes, as you say, some sort of message or something. But if of, it uh, happens one time, um, but if it happens one time, it could be just bad luck. Possibly, but I, 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 I much like dreams. I think it's worth respecting the experience and saying, well, is there like, can I learn from this? Like what? did I have a part in this? Uh, was there inattention? Um, what could I have done differently? Um, so you could just write it off as bad luck. Like, like saying you just said, you know, you, I don't have a car, but let's say you, you did have a car and you're sitting at the traffic lights and then someone backs into you or no, sort of, sort of rams you from behind. And so like, you didn't, you know, you didn't do anything, right? Like, like there was almost entirely the fault of the other person, but you could just say that's an accident or, or whatnot. Um, but you know, I mean, again, you sort of, I think it's worth respecting all situations and asking, um, you know, is there a deeper relevance to me, like what took place, um, this experience? And you don't want to like get yourself in too many tangles and try to psychoanalyze like every single th little thing. Like, it's not like something you have to force yourself to do. Like, it's, it's more like an, it's, it's more like a shift in attitude. Like if you, if you do want to take that, you know, that, that kind of respectful approach. Um, like I said, it's, it's entirely optional, you know? Um, so, but if you do want to take that approach, I tend to find that it, um, uh, it leads to more, a more satisfying experience of your life. Like, like it's rather than seeing life as something that I guess happens to you, that kind of changes into a different attitude of, of life happening through you. And so, 
like I said, the first approach, you know, life happens to you, uh, kind of like you don't have a lot of power. It's, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, you just, doing your best not to get knocked over uh, because there's always bigger forces in life. But if you kind of take the approach that life happens through you, um, then it becomes a much more magical experience. Like, like it's much more transformative and you're kind of at the center of life and you're at the center of your own journey when life happens through you. And so then, um, you know, that, that leads to an attitude of like respecting things and trying to understand things and, um, it's just a different attitude, you know, rather than life happening to you, life happens through you. So, um, yeah. So, so I, I think it's always worth asking the question, you know, it's like, of, um, you know, what this particular experience means and on your, you know, at this exact time in your journey, you know, so, um, with your, in your case, I, I don't know if you eventually figured it out, you know, or like it made sense to you, like having <laughs> some, those uh, free injuries. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, did? totally. Oh, you did. Okay, cool. Yeah. What, what did you, uh, did you, <laughs> well, oh, you, you, don't, you don't have to share. But. Oh, that's, I could totally share. Uh, I, I had a friend who had a book and I, I, I should ask him what the name of that book is because it was like an encyclopedia of what each, uh, injury or any, any physical symptom means, even injuries. And he said second degree burns are, those accidents come from guilt, feeling guilty. And the way it, uh, I got that, I, the way that accident happened was so strange. You know, we thought there was something wrong with the stove. Someone came and checked it. Nothing was wrong with the stove. It never had any issue. And to this day, every time I turn on the stove, I keep thinking, how the heck did that happen? <laughs> so in the moment, when he said that to me, I was I was like, whoa, I, I am feeling guilty about a bunch of things in my life so that was like an obvious one and I I I was almost relieved I was traveling at the time and it was sort of a trip I was in Vietnam and there and I and it was a trip I took because I was going through so much stuff in my life I needed to get away to figure things out and it didn't even it happened like within the first five Mm -hmm. days and I, I remember feeling guilty about a lot of other things but Also, in the moment, I was feeling guilty about not wanting to go out and experience the city and do traveling. I just wanted to be, I was in Vietnam staying with my best Mm -hmm. friend, and I just wanted to be on Netflix all day. You know, he'd he'd come back from work and he'd be like, okay, let's go see this, let's go see, wanting to show me around. And I was like, I don't (laughs) want to. So when when I got the injury, I was relieved that now I had an excuse to imagine that like and now I was like I had to stay in bed for a couple weeks and I was so yes that's awesome and so it made me think about a lot of things and it made me appreciate my body more and my leg my legs more and um even the the entire trip because it was it was my entire legs or a lot of the areas of my legs so I was even thinking of should I still be here you know I'm in a very hot climate in Southeast Asia does this make sense and so a lot of questions and lessons came up from that. It wasn't just mm-hmm. like one thing. And then, but after the third accident, you know, the second accident was just me not paying attention. And then the third accident, it definitely, you know, my family was saying, I think this must have something to do with you needing grounding, come back home, which is Venezuela. I was living in Canada mm-hmm. at the time. And I traveled Southeast Asia. I came back to Canada and I was working like crazy because I burned all my savings and my life was just everything was up in the air 
and and yeah and, and then I finally came to Venezuela that third injury was probably I couldn't work anymore and it just okay that's it I, I I'll go to Venezuela mm -hmm. so I think it's a lot of your own I, I, what I like about you saying how you didn't talk to anyone and you kind of did it all on your own is what I like about that is you you decide you know what what your truth is and and what speaks to you the most you know because other people like other people could tell me oh you have to come back to your roots and reground yourself and come back home and but I may think something else of it so I think I always tell people that it's important to like find your own connection I, I've I've tended to always ask others what do you think what do you think and go to therapy I love therapy and I'm like addicted to looking for advice and talking to my friends and and I've had to learn to just listen to myself and trust that or trust whatever comes up first which is what I think you have very strongly and very naturally no that was um beautifully told <laughs> I mean definitely having that ha having that happen in a, in a foreign country can definitely uh, I guess be a bit scary as well but um as you said, you know, it's almost like you're looking for an excuse not to, not to engage with your environment. You just wanted to, I guess, um, shut up and, and just like, you know, stay in your little space rather than, you know, seeing this new city or, or whatever at the time. Yeah. And then it also made me stronger because my family was pulling me. You, this is what I mean about people talking to you and you having to listen to yourself. My family was telling me that's a sign. <laughs> You have to like they were they were worried about me escaping and they were they kept you know for me it was it was a calling to go to Asia and that trip to completely change my life but at the time my family was worried about me you know how it was a very random very uh last minute decision so they they were saying this is a sign maybe this is a sign maybe you have to come back <laughs> yeah. you know you shouldn't be there and i had to really decide this and think for myself what do i want to do and for me i i saw it as like the opposite like this is a challenge that now i'm facing here and it made me appreciate the trip and feel stronger because it, it, it's like okay I, I got injured and i'm on my own now i have to take care of myself so there's like with with injuries and with sickness i find there's a whole why did it happen but then there's a what are you going to learn from it too from the recovery of these these things you know about healing yourself and taking care of yourself now and moving forward there's a huge amount of learning yeah what, what can too. i do differently um as you said moving forward yeah i mean it, it, it's a, it's a more positive approach to um i guess uh uh, unpleasant experiences. A lot of people would just like feel bad. Uh, and, um, uh, I just said, you know, I had the attitude of, you know, why me, why, why is this happening to me? And uh, that's like, you know, that's very disempowered rather than, you know, what you just described, which is like, um, you know, like, like I want to grow from this. Like I want to do, I want to do things differently. Um, there's an opportunity here to, to be someone, you know, to, to, to integrate this experience. And so in, I guess in the law of one, that would, that would be described as a, a positive use of catalyst. Like you're taking an unfortunate experience or event and then you're finding, I guess the good in that, like, you know, the, the ability to, to transform in, in a better way, you know, rather than just um, putting up with the experience and then 
wanting the experience to be over, which we do. Like, you know, if we've had bad things happen to us, we want uh, to put it behind us as quickly as possible. But um, as you, yeah, it's about learning from it, as you just, as you just said. So, yeah, that's a perfect example of, as I said, positive use of catalyst. So, <laughs> so this brings me now to, to talking about aging when your body's simply aging and, and oh, so people, I, I get confused with, okay, so if everything has meaning, what about older people and, and, and when your body's just simply sick because it's old and it's stopped functioning, what would this mean? for people who are aging. Uh, can we apply the same to them? Or can we say, well, this is biological now and it's just part of nature. Your body starts to um, no longer function. Or does it still apply? Like, how do we apply this to yeah. older sure. elders? Um, when, you know, in that question, um, we also have to, we have to consider that there's, um, there's different degrees of aging. I think, you know, there's famous examples in Japan. Uh, I think it, there's a, there's an island called Okinawa. And um, I guess they're, they're, they're quite renowned for producing people, uh, human beings that consistently live, you know, up to their hundreds and past their hundreds. Uh, like it's quite a phenomena and it's actually, you know, it, it, it's piqued the interest of quite a lot of you know, researchers and that, you know, well, why, what's happening here? Like, is it, do they have special genetics or, is there something about their lifestyle and, and their way of relating to each other, which I guess promotes like a more graceful form of aging, not just old age, but also a kind of very robust old age where you don't kind of uh, degenerate as much for me. I mean, uh, yeah, with that question, I mean, there's different types of aging. Uh, you can have a very, I guess, uh, a very rapid decline uh, where it feels like, you know, you, you have to have hip replacements. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you start taking like dozen, you know, a dozen medications every day, or it seems like, you know, there, uh, as I said, Okinawa in Japan is one of those examples, but they also, you know, researchers have found that there's also other pockets around the world where certain ethnic groups, whether it's through their diet or their, their lifestyle, their way of relating to each other kind of promotes a more graceful form of aging where they don't, suffer these degenerative conditions as much if at all like like they seem to you know live up to 100 and then become disabled like they're, they're still quite mobile and, and active and uh, involved in their community there, there, there are ways of aging where uh, I guess once you turn 80 or 85 they, they put you in a nursing home and then you just sit in your room um, waiting for the next meal you know like or there's there's ways of aging in other types of communities where like you're still involved in with other people's lives you, you're still sort of contributing in some way and so I would I would take those as positive examples like there's there's different ways of uh, there's different ways of aging like and diet is diet is a big factor um, how involved you are in certain relationships, whether it's, uh, you know, your own family being still being involved in your own family or, you know, if, if they put you in a nursing home or, uh, just being involved with your peers, you know, like you're, you're still active in some way. There's a book I would recommend. Um, it's called Ikage, I-K-A-G-A-I. And it's a Japanese word and, um, they seem to have figured out many of the components of, um, like I said, that, that graceful form of aging, but also living a, a fulfilled life. So um, that's something I would, I would look up if you're interested in that kind of thing. So, yeah, I've heard of, um, 
I did a, uh, when I was in Thailand, I heard of a Buddhist monk was telling me how, you know, they, they can choose to die, basically, not really out of, uh, you know, because of all the meditation they've done and purification. She was saying how, you know, most of them, they don't get sick per se, or there's no horrible sickness. They just, they choose to die basically or they can choose to die if they want to and it's like a it's a conscious decision what do you think about all of that oh uh, yeah I, i've definitely heard about that phenomena as well um and obviously you know i i haven't experienced it yet but uh i i do believe that yes it's something that um if you're very in tune with um your fuller beingness and i guess your purpose if you feel like you know you've you've done what you came here to do yes you, you could go you could access a, a very deep state and then um and then that's it you could just leave your body and um, not come back and then it's done in a totally conscious way i imagine it's quite rare i mean to be able to access that level of harmony with your i guess your higher self or your deeper beingness but you know i do you know i i don't doubt those stories uh, for a moment i think they're yeah they're they're probably very legitimate and um, uh, it's a very beautiful thing, you know, if someone has completed their, uh, this, this incarnation and, um, you know, quite possibly they, they could also just die in their sleep like that, that night. But um, there's also something about, you know, being able to know uh, when the end is coming and um, maybe I think some of these individuals actually tell their group that they're leaving. So, you know, there's no trauma involved, like they can all, yeah, say goodbye to them in, in person. And then, like I said, I, there's different scenarios, but I think some of them, you know, they, they just start meditating and then, um, you know, after a period of time, they slump over and then they're gone, you know? So, um, yeah, they're quite remarkable stories, but um, yeah, I, I do, I do believe them. Yes. What is the, what is the law of one believe about life after death? In the, in the law of one, they, they describe uh, a phenomena where it's basically, you know, what, what other traditions call the life review highlight reel of your life from, you know, from your first breath to your last breath. And, um, uh, there's always things that you could have done differently. I mean, there's definitely a celebration of the things that you did well, the amount of good you brought into the world, uh, the experience of compassion, experience of love, romantic love, but you know, just, just, you know, the love that that's found in friendships and, uh, with your family. Um, but basically the life review, you know, also, highlights the things that could have been done differently that, that's not necessarily like a judgment on someone it's, it's more like you know uh i could have done a bit better there or you know I, I didn't really learn from that relationship like that you know that was an opportunity to learn something about myself and the other person and um i just ended up you know hating them and you know i did i couldn't get beyond that into forgiveness you know so so the life review is definitely a very important thing like like it, it actually makes sense of things like in you know you get the um, you get the big picture, like you can see all the, the inputs into a situation. Um, and like I said, it's not a judgment. It, it, if there's any sort of criticism, it, you, it's more self-criticism. Like you can see that, you know, I didn't, I could have done that better, you know, that kind of thing. And then um, after the life review, there's a process of healing where you sort of, um, you know, like, like you described the, the kind of approach that you've had in life where, you know, you've asked for advice, you've gone to therapy. There is that kind of support. It is valuable to be able to do these things on your own, but it's also good to recognize that you do need support a lot of the times. And so 
definitely after death, you know, you need a back in the spirit world and uh, it, it, you know, you've got a lot more resources to draw upon. And so that help is available and it's more than welcome, you know, for you to utilize. And so you also go through that process of um, deeper understanding as well. Um, after the life review, you know, there might've been some things that you, you recognize you could have done better, but you don't see, you know, exactly how, like, like, you know, you could see that, you know, you could recognize that you maybe made a mistake, but you don't quite, understand the situation fully and so then yeah you have helpers and um, different issues and definitely if someone's had a traumatic life you know like they definitely need that and um, then after that you know then there's the planning for the next lifetime and um, things like that so they, they actually call that um, I guess that dimension or that that place and space uh, that, that's kind of contrasted with uh, the experience we're having now which is um, space time you know which is more physical and sort of things are like solid. Whereas in time space, um, um, things are much more fluid and dynamic. So they don't have that kind of like, um, things aren't as bound in time uh, over there on the other side, you know, you can call it the afterlife or the beyond or <laughs> the spirit world or, you know, whatever, whatever tradition, you know, whatever you know, traditional term you want to use, but Ra, I guess I refers to as, um, as time space. So, yeah. Do you believe in reincarnation? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, really? That, that, okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that, um, this isn't just an isolated experience like this one physical body, but it's part of a, a bigger set of experiences, both, you know, the ones, the, the experiences you've had before, as well as the experiences you've had after, you know, that you will, that you will have afterwards. Like it's not, it's not just a once-off experience of this you know, in this particular body as Gary, you know, like, like there's been many experiences before and there's experiences, yeah, afterwards as well. And that, so, that's uh, where you talk about karma. Do, do you believe in karma as well? Yeah. yeah karma is not necessarily um, punishment. It's just, um, it's just um, momentum, like things that have been set in motion um, by your consciousness in a you know, previous lifetime that doesn't, disappear i mean it has momentum and um uh, like i said it's, it's not a physical thing like like you know if you have physical things in the world like eventually they'll stop moving but if you have momentum in consciousness um that just keeps on going until you face up to it so that's that's all karma is like it's just things that have been set in motion by yourself just continuing to move until um until you face up to it so yeah that's my understanding of karma i've loved everything you've you've shared so far and and you explain it super clearly. Um, I want to conclude with, or I want to end the conversation talking about how you apply this with other people, how you heal other people, and and how you you said you said it took five years to to heal heal yourself and finally get to the point where you thought you could heal someone else. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's um. How did yeah, that, how did that um, go? Like, was that hard at first or did it come naturally to you as well to heal others? For me, well, yeah, I, I was actually pretty shocked, like to tell you the truth. Like I said, um, that, I guess that transition point from healing myself to then actually, I guess, uh, offering this service to others, it wasn't something I planned. I, you know, I think I mentioned that, but like, it's not something I dreamed about. Like, you know, when I was growing up, like, oh, I want to... I, you know, I want to become a healer one day. I want to do that. Like it didn't even occur to me that I would do that. And even when I was going through this self-healing process, it's not like, all right, once I'm done, then I'll do this. Like it, it wasn't, <laughs> I, I wasn't considering it. Like it wasn't even 
on my radar, you know? Um, so as I said, it felt, it felt very much like a calling, like, uh, like, uh, almost like an instruction and you might, you know, it wasn't someone telling me what to do. It was just like, um, you know, this life path that you've planned, uh, before you came down, like does involve or did involve you doing this. And so that's what it felt like. It's like, I got to a particular stage. Um, I'd balanced myself enough. Um, I healed myself enough and I understood the process enough that then, yes, then you can sort of radiate this. You can actually, this is of benefit to others. Like others don't have to go through this five year process of learning all the details of how to do it. There's a way of summarizing this. I guess when I felt the calling, it's kind of irresistible. Like, like I said, it wasn't like someone telling me what to do. It was just like, all right, I guess this is what, you know, this is what I'm doing now. You know, this is my duty. I wasn't expecting too much. So I was kind of shocked when I first, I first of all, I offered it to some friends, like people that I guess were more open-minded and some others that I'd come across that were interested in the raw material, you know, so they'd be more sort of inclined, you know, to this kind of um, practice, you know, of healing. And so, you know, I, I did reach out to some people and said, oh, look, uh, I'm, thinking about healing, you would want to try it, you know? And so I wasn't expecting too much, but when, like, like I said, the results were very, were very obvious getting like, um, positive results pretty much straight away. That was the shocking thing to me. Like I thought that, you know, this would take a bit more time to get expertise at, but I guess I, I guess I underestimated like how much preparation I'd already done in sort of working on myself. Like when I, you know, when those, I guess, positive stories started coming back. Like people said, like my back doesn't hurt anymore. It's like, oh, and I've had this for like 10 years. Like, and it's like, oh, wow. Okay. I guess that's pretty cool. And then someone else would come back and said, you know, I had issues with my throat and, uh, you know, I, had, I was having a lot of phlegm, like a chronic thing. They could, you know, they, they tried other things and it seemed like nothing could fix it. And then it's like, that was gone. It's like, all right, <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, all right. So um, the success was pretty immediate. And so, First of all, that gave me like a lot of encouragement and I mean, some kind of belief that, all right, this is actually possible and like, I'm actually involved in this process and it's working. And so, I mean, if I didn't have that initial success, I mean, I'm not sure like how long I would have persisted with it for, because, um, it's such a strange thing to offer. Like, like I said, I, I, I didn't grow up with this in my world, this idea of metaphysical healing and, uh, Reiki and that kind of stuff like that wasn't part of my vocabulary or experience and so uh, to delve into that and then to like to make myself like a practitioner in a I guess a public way like that I, I'm not sure how much, how long I would have stuck with that if it you know if like I didn't have that initial success it was pretty astounding to me that there was that much effect on other people and so how it works is that what's called the indigo ray you know it's traditionally the the third eye between your brows that basically gives you I guess some access to this time space dimension that I mentioned previously uh, that, that you don't, you don't normally access during your waking state during our normal lives. And so through that third eye channel, you can sort of help balance other people on a deeper level. And so that's basically the basis of the healing and, you know, being able to offer this service to others. I want to get to um, how you do the actual healing with somebody. Yeah. Um, so when, if someone goes to my website and then, um, yeah, there's a form there you can submit. Uh, you can just tell me, you sort of describe your situation and you know, your symptoms. And then uh, you can just give a bit of background about yourself, you know, about what you've done to treat it and things like that. And then I'll write back to the person and I'll organize, um, I'll call it a session. I'll give a, a date and a time relevant to their, whatever location they're in, uh, if they're in the US or somewhere in Europe. So I'll give a local time and then um, they don't have to be present for the working. But um, when I do start the working, I basically tune into their situation through the third eye 
I just described before. And then that helps me, or that kind of shows me where the person's imbalances are. As I said, this, this process of healing happens through imbalance then balance. So that's actually how healing takes place. As a facilitator, I can sort of intervene on their behalf in terms of um, addressing those imbalances. There are situations where someone has an imbalance and they haven't sort of done enough personal work. Like they haven't really acknowledged that there's something deeper at work. Like they, they purely see it as a, a mechanical or a physical defect. Like, like there isn't that, that attitude of um, there's something to learn from this or there's something I don't understand about myself. And that if the wrong attitude is in place, then even though I can see the imbalance, I mean, the person has the situation in their lives because, you know, they haven't recognized that there's something deeper at play. And so, you know, as a healer, I mean, I do what I can, but then, you know, the other person also has to step up their game in terms of, you know, like just continuing on their own journey. And so if they're not ready, then, you know, it doesn't matter how ready I am, you know, like nothing's really going to change. But in most cases, people who are going to write to me and um, reach out for metaphysical healing, you know, some part of them is already, you know, they, they already acknowledge that there's something else going on rather than just the physical. So for them, when they're ready, I can facilitate those, those balances. Like I can offer the acceptance, understanding, forgiveness on an energetic level, which then translates into a, like different dynamics in their, in their body and their consciousness. I mean, and there's also different stages of healing. People can sort of like have a, say a 50% reduction in symptoms and then they're still kind of left with that 50% and there's still something to learn from that. So that, you know, healing as of all things, it's a, it's a process. And, um, but you know, I, you know, I, as, as if anyone's dealt with a chronic condition, I mean, they will gladly take any kind of relief, you know, whether it's, 20% or 30%, you know, even just initially, like to experience a lesser load, you know, like just a better quality of life. So even if an absolute healing, like it's just totally gone. I mean, anyone, you know, like I said, anyone who's had a chronic condition would very much notice like any reduction in, in symptoms, you know, even, even if it's only like 20 or 30%. And so that would be, you'd gladly accept that, you know, even as, um, as a first step. So, yeah, so, so I don't, definitely don't promise that, everything's going to be resolved hundred percent in one hour, but um, uh, that's the way I do it. Like I tune into them and then I'm able to see the deeper imbalances and then I offer the appropriate um, balances to them, to their, to, to their consciousness and their soul and their personality. And if those are integrated, then um, yeah, that there'll usually be some sort of shift and that can unfold over the, you know, the coming week, the week afterwards. So that's basically the process. Like the person doesn't have to do anything. They don't have to talk to me. They don't have to send me a photo. <laughs> you know, they, they, they can even be asleep if they, if they don't want to like, like I said, I give them a day and a time. And if they just want to cook dinner and read a book, they're happy to do that. Like, like that's not like it's happening on a deeper level, uh, but, but usually, you know, most people want to like just sit quietly and just see if they feel anything. And yeah, quite, quite often people have energetic sensations or, uh, they might even get relief straight away, you know? So, so it's the ultimate therapy. Like, like the person doesn't do anything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, I like it all takes place within an hour um, that I sort of coordinate with them. And then um, after the hour's done, I'll send them a summary and that, that can contain varying degrees of information. Sometimes there's a lot of information. Other times, you know, it's just like enough to say, um, yeah, I, I've helped balance things and 
that's enough. Like it, it depends on how much information um, is needed or uh, is appropriate for that individual. I trust people who say donate me if it works. Like that kind of thing really generates more trust for me. I understand some people do have to make a living, but there's a lot of healers out there that charge a lot of money, which I can sometimes understand. But other times I, I think if, you know, is there a contradiction there? Because people, some people really need healing and don't have much, don't have that kind of money to pay. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Especially, um, you know, it's fine if you're living in like a Western country, like say USA, Canada, Western Europe, Australia, or New Zealand, but there's plenty of other countries outside of that. And like their average income is, you know, it doesn't translate to very much. So um, for them to pay 80 US dollars or 180 US dollars, I mean, it's just not even possible for them. Like even if they wanted to like pay that much upfront. And so um, in terms of like, reaching out to people and helping the people that need help. I mean, there's plenty of people that don't live in those Western countries that can benefit. So, um, yeah, I, I like, I, yeah, no judgment on those people, but, um, it, it does limit how many people you can help. And if you're really a healer, I mean, that should be the first thing on your mind, right? It's if you make an income, that's okay. But if you can't, then, you know, like that's, that should be secondary to me. And so I mean, I've, obviously, yeah, I've, I've found a way to make it work, but, um, yeah, I mean, even like in Western countries, I mean, you have people that might be either students or pensioners, like, and so they also can't, you know, they come up, come up with like $180, like some of these people ask, you know, upfront. And so it, it's, a, it's a tough one, like and everyone working in this space, um, you know, they, they have to ask the question, you know, do they want to make this their, their life's work? Then if so, then how can they keep paying the rent and things like that? So that's awesome. I think I've, I've had all the the questions answered. Thank you very much, Gary. No, it's, it's been a pleasure asking me on and yeah, you've been a great host. Yeah, it's, it's great to be able to tell my story. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to check out Gary's services, you can go to his website link, which I will put down in the caption. Not only is it by donation, but nothing is required of you during the actual session. So why not, right?